atmosphere you are welcome here and I need the Holy Spirit for my preaching and I, and I pray that you pray for me during moments like these every Sunday when I am commissioned by God to give you a word from him today now if you are uh, visiting with us, we are at the very end. Today's the last, uh, last Sunday of this sermon series that we have been doing on the Minor Prophets. Today's the last one. Woo, you made it. And it's tough. I mean, because one of the things that the Minor Prophets really call us to is they call us to conversion. And they call us to a higher way. And so today, we come to the very end of our Minor Prophets series, and we're going to be talking about the last prophet in your Bible. If you have your Old Testament, you'll notice that the very last book in your Old Testament is from the prophet Malachi. If you go into the Gospel of Matthew, that page turn between the end of Malachi and the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew is about 400 years, give or take. So he is the last prophet that we are going to hear from. Now, uh, Malachi, like all the other prophets that you have heard from and that we've heard from, you know, he talks about some of the social ills that were going on in Israel. But if you read the very short book by Malachi, four chapters, it'd take you 30, 45 minutes to do this, Malachi actually spends most of his time critiquing the religious devotion of God's people. You know, he talks about how everybody seems to be so, uh, you know, apathetic. Ugh. They're apathetic about worship. They're kind of apathetic about God's word. Uh, they're not even keeping their marriage vows and upholding their marriage vows. He says just like this apathy. And as you get to the tail end of Malachi, you come to the third chapter, and then Malachi proves that people are kind of, they're becoming ap apathetic about their love for God because Malachi points out something that's going on is in Israel. So I'm going to let Malachi speak for himself. I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading here of God's word from the prophet Malachi to Israel, God's people, chapter 3, verse 8. And Malachi is speaking for God, and, and God says this to the people, Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, the place of worship. And thus, listen to this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I will rebuke the locusts for you, so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will count you happy, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Well, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God, you may be seated. You are robbing me, says the Lord of hosts. You know, I was thinking about that. Isn't that a radical pronouncement? Like, God says you are robbing me. I mean, how can God be robbed? God owns everything. He's, he'll still be God no matter what. And that God owns everything is kind of the key. I mean, you think about robbery. What is robbery? Robbery happens when somebody takes what belongs to another. And so what God is actually saying to God's people is that evidently they've been withholding their offerings. <laughs> they've been withholding their tithes. And God is saying to the people that that's kind of like a theft, because by withholding their tithes and offering, they're, they're robbing the places of worship, Malachi is saying. 
And they're robbing the people that the places of worship were charged with caring for, the people like the needy. You're robbing me because you're not bringing your tithes and your offerings. Um, That word tithe in the Old Testament referred to the practice, for those of you who may not know, it referred to the practice of setting aside a tenth, uh, a tithe, a tenth, or what we might say uh, 10% of one's substance in those days as, as an act of devotion to God, as an act of, of trust in God, almost like a sacrifice to God. Now, the tithe, this thing that Malachi is talking about, this tithe, this 10% thing, it is actually a commandment in the law of Moses. Moses does say, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, like chapter 14, for instance, Moses says to the people, make sure every year you bring a tithe of all the seed and the harvest in your field. Now, if you think about that, bringing a tenth of that to the place of worship, there would be some years you have to believe, you have to know that maybe the harvest was not as good as some other years, and yet they were still commanded to do this. So this is a commandment that you find in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus himself actually does talk about the tithe when he is speaking to a group of very religious people called the Pharisees. Jesus says to the Pharisees, man, you guys, you're so religious. You tithe everything you've got. You're so meticulous about tithing, tithing, tithing. And yet, Jesus says to the Pharisees, but you're ignoring what God really wants, which is mercy and justice and faithfulness. Jesus says to the people, you should, Pharisees, you should be tithing. But not if you're neglecting what God really wants. So that brings me to a couple of things I want to say to you right off the bat here today. First thing, yes, you've all just walked into a money sermon. There we go. Get it out of the table. I'm thinking about the visitors today. I'm like, man, I think they're thinking, uh, Harrison Church, we will cross that off the visiting list now. But I'll tell you, if you are visiting with us, I pray you will be blessed. There's something here for you. But that's the first thing. You've walked into the money sermon. Second thing is this. So I'm going to be talking about this offering, these tithes and offerings, because Malachi talks about this. But Jesus is very clear, isn't he? You and I can tithe everything that comes into our lives, giving a tenth of everything. But if we do not love, and if we have no mercy, as Paul says, it means absolutely nothing. Now, so, what I want you to hear today, before I really get into some things, is that this concept of tithing and this money sermon, this is not God's way of giving you a guilt trip. If you think of this as a guilt trip, what I would say to you is what my pastor said to me. Well, you've got to ask yourself why you feel so guilty. That's a spiritual exercise only you can do. Nor, and I want you to hear this, all this talk about tithing for the rest of the morning, this is not a way for you to somehow earn God's love or curry greater favor with God. Let me tell you something. Let's, let's make this clear. Jesus loves and died for the tithers, and he loves and died for the non-tithers. Whether you tithe or not will never affect God's love for you and your salvation in Christ. But there was a time when I was a cook at Chili's, I'll come back to this, when I heard a sermon on tithing, I was like, oh man, here we go, here we go. But now I realize that this talk about tithing and offering, this is not a God's way to put a burden on you, boom. It is God's invitation It is God's invitation for you to to experience God in a way maybe you never have before. In a real way, and even a greater way. I mean, did you hear what God says through the prophet Malachi? Malachi, he says, put me to the test. 
See, come on, bring your tithes to me and see if I just do not rock your world. I will pour out a blessing on you so big you will not be able to contain this. That's what God says. Now, here's what's funny. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus actually quotes Moses when Jesus is contending with the devil in his first temptation. Jesus says, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And yet here, in Malachi, God says, put me to the test. I dare you. I double dog dare you. God is like that kid in uh, the Christmas story movie. You know, I double dog dare you. And then he says, I triple dog dare you. Mm, Oh, we got to do something now. This tithing thing is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, I dare you. Test me. And if you do this, I will pour upon you a tsunami of blessings that you cannot contain. Now, uh, in those days, money was sort of crops. You know, we we don't use crops for uh, money these days, wheat and barley and corn and all these things. So a, a tithe for us would be different. A a tithe for us, when we talk about that, is we are talking about 10% of our money. All the money that flows into our lives. So what Malachi is saying and how we could translate this, visual aid, is that a tithe would be one dime for every dollar or every time we get ten dollars. That's what I have right here, ten bucks. That means we would give $1 back to God out of 10. Now, you think about this. We give God, according to the Scripture, $1. God says we get to keep $9. Then God says, I will bless all $9. And then I will pour out a blessing on you. And on top of that, that you cannot contain. That's a pretty good deal. Why do we pass this up? If we pass something like this up when God says, I will do this, we become in that moment like little children around the Christmas tree who are playing with their little cardboard box when the parents are saying, no, 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 the gift's right here. This is what you need to be playing with. Why would we give up something like this? God says, take the dare. This is a deal he's willing to make with us. We give God one out of ten and he blesses us with the remaining nine. That's pretty good. Now, the, the Methodist church teaches that the tithe is the minimum goal of generosity. It is the minimum goal of generosity. Our church, this is their position, is that a generous life, when it becomes a habit, a generous life starts with the practice of giving back to God 10% of everything we earn. I want you to hear that. It's not the maximum goal of generosity. It's not the finish line. Biblically speaking, it is the starting line. It's where a generous life begins. Because here's the thing. I've been speaking to some tithers this week, people who love it. And you know what they have found out? Like all those who dare to take the test, (laughs) we find out that when you give 10%, you know what you find out? You 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 can actually give 11. And you can give 12. And then you move up to 13, and then maybe do a 15. It just keeps going on and on. Then the fun really begins in that moment. 
Now, I was a, a cook at Chili's Gorilla Bar. I didn't make a lot of money. I will come back to that. Uh, for some of us, we're hearing this maybe for the first time, and, and, and God is sensitive to that. But, man, this is the where it begins. I, there is someone in our church who's been a part of our church, and we talked about this, this, this idea of giving, and, and he said to me that when I started giving to the church uh, years ago, he said, I, I, I gave begrudgingly. Here comes the offering plate. He said he did this for a while. But then all of a sudden, his heart starts opening up. Things start happening to him. And then he takes Malachi's dare and begins tithing 10%. And he said, you know what happened to me? I started realizing, man, I give God $1, I get to keep 9 I got enough. I'm not dying. I'm not, I've got everything that I possibly need, and, and now... This is what he said. He wouldn't want me necessarily to share this with you, but I'm going to. He says, now I realize that one day my goal is to give 100% back to God. Because you see, that's what Jesus asked for, didn't he? See, Jesus wants it all, he said. Jesus, we believe, is not Lord of just 10%. We believe that Jesus is Lord of 100%. But it's the beginning. And we do this, we begin to increase our generosity, and the world completely opens up. Now, the, the tithe in the Bible was really the people's way of saying, God, I, I'm going to trust you. I am going to trust you with my 10% by giving it back to you, even though I want to hold on to this. I am tempted to believe that I've I got to have this to survive, but I, I'm going to trust you. By giving you a dollar out of my ten and believe that you were going to make up the difference. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your substance. See, the tithe, the Bible instructs us that whenever some money flows into our lives, we are instructed, the Bible says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth. We are, we are called first thing. To take our first dollar and give that back to God. Why? Because it is a testimony that we want to put God first in all of our lives. Not just in a couple of things, but in everything. If you give first, your first dollar that comes into your life, if you give 10% of every dollar first, you are saying, God, I really do want to put you first. Because if you can put God first when it comes to your money, if the first thing you think about is God, every time you get paid, chances are really high you will think about God first and everything else. So the tithe is a way of saying, Lord, I want to put you first. You know that expression, um, money talks? You ever heard that expression before? Money talks. Well, let me just ask you this. If your money could talk, what would be the first thing your money would talk about? Would your money ever talk about God? I remember when I was that cook at Chili's, didn't make that much money. I heard a sermon on tithing. This was radical to me. I thought the, the preacher was up to no good, trying to swindle me out of something for his own sake. But uh, 
I think I told you this back in May. I, I remember coming to this moment when I realized, this, this is impossible. I don't make enough money to do anything like this. It's crazy. But then I realized uh, I was actually tithing. I just happened to be tithing to repo records. You know? So the first dollar in my life was going, repo records. Rush's new album. And so what I needed to do was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just need to kind of shift some priorities in my life. I was tithing. <laughs> I was just not tithing. I was not saying, God, you are first in my life necessarily with how I was spending my money. So with a tithe, what we are saying is, Lord, I really do want to trust you. And I really, really do want to put you first in my life. That's really what the tithe is all about. It's about trusting God first. I will, though, tell you a couple of other reasons why we should give. And these are really important to me. Really the first reason that you need to give is because giving, when you give some money away, giving, especially tithing, this is, as so many people have said it, this is an act of resistance to the power of money over our lives. Jesus referred to money as a real power. Jesus said money is like a rival to God. I mean, so money to God is like Duke to Carolina. They are in competition with each other. And if you think about your life, so much of our lives are spent talking about or thinking about the money. Money concerns, money worries, not enough money, money paying the bills, money strategies, money investments, money, money, money. And when you, when you take a portion of the money that comes into your life and you give that away, you are saying in that moment that no, money does not define who I am. I am not going to do what money tells me to do, which is I need more, 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 more. I am going to give some of it away. And when you give away a portion of your money, you are neutralizing the power, that grip that money has on your life. That's the first reason. You need to give because you need to resist the power of money. It's a real power. It's like a God, Jesus said. Now, the second reason we, uh, we should give is because God knows you and I want to give. I'll say that again. The reason you and I really need to give is because God knows we really want to give. See, stinginess doesn't just rob God, as he said. When we're stingy, we're robbing ourselves too. You're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself from the joy of generosity. I really hope all of you have had a moment in your life when you have blessed someone financially. And you know that feeling that you get? I hope if you experience going, yeah, yeah, that was fun. That is not a coincidence. God made you that way. Now, I said back in May, I said to the 830 service, last time I talked about money was, was in May, so if you're, if you're keeping score, it's been a few months, right? I, I've given some space. But uh, back in May, one of the things that I said is that if you think about it, all of creation is, is kind of structured generously. You think about the clouds that give rain. They take the moisture, but they give back. You think about the sunlight, gives its light. We think about soil, the soil receives what has died. It gives back all the plant life that we use for food. And I said, you know, if you think about breathing, you cannot inhale forever. What happens if you inhale forever? Well, you're dead. So you have to inhale, receive, but you also, breathing requires exhaling, giving. And the plants need what you are giving too. And they give back to us. And so if you think about this, we as Christian people, we affirm that we are made by a generous God 
who made a generous creation. You are made in the image of that generous God. So whenever you are giving, you are doing exactly what God designed you to do. You want to give. This is a desire of yours. You're wired that way. Now, it would not surprise me throughout the course of the morning that there will be people listening to this and they will think to themselves, man, I, I really want to be able to do this. I don't know what that's going to take, but I, I kind of want to do this. That's not a coincidence. We were designed to give. God made you to give. It is in your DNA. Take the dare is what Malachi is saying. Take the dare and trust God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears in this moment because I need to kind of talk to you about something that I think is very important. But I was thinking about this passage from Malachi and um, about tithing. And one of the things I wanted to say to you was, you know, I, I remember being in the position where I didn't know if I could do this and I remember thinking, I don't know if this is possible, but I will tell you, if, if you're someone who really wants to step up your generosity, if you're sincere about this, God will show you what in your lifestyle that you might be able to move down the ladder. So giving to God will move up. But He loves you. He loves you. Then I started thinking about Malachi and this dare for us as a church. So this is kind of where I want to shift gears for a minute and, and talk with you for a few minutes. Last Sunday at Charge Conference, our church and the members of the church passed a $1.2 million budget. That was last Sunday. Now, what you need to know is that over the course of the last year, the pastors here, along with some other lay leaders of the church, it's not just the pastors who do this, it's, it's all of us that were called to do this. We began asking some questions about how we think God wants to, or wants us to fund and support the ministries of our church next year. And we began to ask ourselves some questions. Now, if you've been a part of Harrison Church for a little while, uh, you will know that one of the things that we, we do uh, several times through the years, we'll do fundraisers. And they're a lot of fun. You've seen these before, you know, the, the consignment sale. You've seen this? Are we with me? It's okay. It's okay. I just need to share this with you. The consignment sale, uh, rummage sale, uh, the men's uh, fundraisers, some of the women's fundraisers. Well, this year we began to have some conversations and we began to ask ourselves, now, what, what if, what if? What if instead of raising money from people who may not even be a part of our church, what if instead of raising money from people on the outside of our church, what if we as a congregation funded 100% of all of these ministries through our general giving? What if we did that? You know, the thing about fundraisers is they're a lot of fun. And I've had some conversations with people about this, and um, we meet a lot of friends there. It's, it's, it's a lot of great fun, but what a fundraiser can do is it can send the wrong message. And the message that it can send is, we need the money 
from people who maybe aren't even a part of our church to buy something to make up for our own lack of giving. And so we began to ask questions. What if Harrison Church, you, the people of Harrison Church, when you gave to Harrison 100% of all the money, supports all these missions and ministries, women's ministry, bed equals dreams, all of them. And then we began to think about another question. What if Harrison Church took a step toward tithing its income? What if we gave 10% of all the income away? It left the building, and we did the work of missions outside of this building. Well, next year, we decided to take a step, and you need to know about this. We want to give $80,000 to the missions of Harrison Church. Now, if you look at uh, a $1.2 million budget, 10% of that would be how much? It would be $120,000, would not it? Well, we're taking steps to get there. This is what we believe God is calling us to do. So what that means is that next year, even more of your dollars are going to go to support the missions and ministries of Harrison Church in an even greater way. Damn, that excites me to, to, to no end. That's awesome. We should get excited about that. Now, we've got some challenges. Now, this year, the income of Harrison Church, eh, we're on track to do a total income of about $1,025,000, $1,050,000. We passed a $1.2 million budget, which means we've got a lot of ground to make up if we're going to make this work. But I believe we can make this work. I believe you can get excited about this. More of your money is going to leave the building. We're going to do the work that God has called us to do. Now, we've got some expenses. Some of us may not even know this. You know, the plumber building here, our education building, it's used, let me tell you, every day through the week. We have a mortgage. We have an outstanding loan balance of $500,000. The payment is about $13,400 per month. Although if 500 people gave $1,000, we'd retire that debt. I'm just, here we go. Kyle, we're waiting for you to write those checks. And, of course, your staff. It is your generosity that makes the staff the staff here. We know that. You know, people have said to me, uh, as we've been talking about what this budget could be next, next year, people have said, well, you know, Shane, uh, I guess we're really going to need to trust the Lord. Yes, but I see it differently. Folks, look at where we are. Think about where we're situ situated. We're in one of the most affluent areas in America. We can do $1.2 million. So I do not look at this budget as us needing to put our faith in God and our trust in God. I look at it differently. I look at it as it is God's way of God putting his faith and trust in us. We can do this together, provided we do our part to be the givers that God has called us to be. Now, I'm almost done, I promise. I've gone long, maybe my longest sermon. But I will tell you, at the end of the service, for those of you who want, we are going to be distributing a copy of this 2018 budget and the numbers. The ushers will have that for you. Uh, also, John Powers, who is our chairperson of our finance committee. John, are you here? Are you here? I don't see him anywhere. There he is. Oh, okay, there's John. He's going to actually stick around after this service to answer some of your more specific questions. But I will tell you this. Harrison Church has been here since 1785. It was the generosity of people for the last 
132 years that brought us to this point. Kyle discovered just this week that on October the 29th, 1872, two people by the names of James and Sarah McGinn donated the first two and a quarter acres for Harrison Church. And then we did a double take. October 29th, 1872. That's today. 145 years ago. I think James and Sarah would say, you can do this. Get excited about this. Guys, I'm, take the dare. God promises that you will lose nothing. And if you and I together will do what God has called us to do, I believe that God will open the windows of heaven. And he will pour out a blessing on Harrison Church and on you so great that you cannot contain it. God will do God's part. Let us show God that we will do ours. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that Your promise would sink into the people of Harrison Church, would sink into me and all of us. Release us from the fear of higher and greater generosity. For those among us this morning who want to come to this place where they can give like that, you love them, you have saved them. And I pray that you will show them how this can be possible. We've all been in that position. But for those of us who know the blessings that come when we take your dare, I pray that we will be bold witnesses to this new world that opens up in abundance because of your faithfulness. I pray that we will be a congregation that rises to our challenge and so that you will open the floodgates of heaven upon us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Follow us on Facebook for up-to-date information about news, events, and ways to get involved at Harrison Church. You can also visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.